It's an industry that I generally love. I have a passion for. I, I, I eat, sleep. I live for fitness. No, you need to be obsessed. You need to wake up, think about it. You need to go to bed, think about your clients, think about your progress, think about what you can do better. Genuinely, like, just be like patient and take your time. Like that, that is like, you've got to take it all in, in the right steps. You've got to nail what you do in person before you go and like. I don't like to talk about fear. The fears is usually something that makes your worries real. Welcome to the Coach United podcast. My name is Alex Povey. If you're a new listener, the show is released every Sunday on all the major platforms, including Spotify and iTunes. So be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a show. Every week, we invite a new guest from the fitness industry or coaching space to share their personal journey in business. We will deep dive into actionable ideas, strategies, and systems that you can apply in your life and business too. You can also access free weekly content in our private Facebook group by searching Coaching Ignited. And if you're a face-to-face personal trainer with room to take on additional clients, head over to coachingignited.com where you can apply for our 30-day client accelerator program and find out more about our business, sales, and marketing training platform. Now let's get into this week's episode. Enjoy the show. Hey gang, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today we've got Manuel Lazuni and he's an online fitness coach doing some awesome stuff in the fitness space. We're actually in the same masterminds and I really wanted to get him on the show because he's great when it comes to presenting his products, his services. He's great with social media and he really knows how to sell coaching, right? And this is a fundamental part of building a business and he has some great insights and not only that we dive into one of the most important topics in this whole game which is the mindset the mindset to execute on these things the mindset to ask for more to know what you're worth and he's been through a lot of different programs and training and work with some of the top mentors in the industry so he's got a ton of knowledge and experience to offer so we're going to cover that all on today's show. All right, so we're live, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. So for anyone listening, I want to really give them kind of like a quick intro to you and what you do and how you got started uh, in the fitness space and and got into coaching. So in less than five minutes, let's go from start to finish of how this whole journey began for you. Awesome. So I've been into fitness for the last 10 years, and uh, when I graduated college, just about three years ago, I uh, actually it's exactly three years today or right around. But um, yeah, so I went straight into personal training, had a really great mentor who was my boss at the time. And uh, over the course of two years, I became one of the most successful trainers in San Diego, became a manager, uh, mentored a team of 10 trainers. And it got to a point where I realized my income was capped working for somebody else. So I went on to start my own business. And uh, within my first six months, I did pretty well with in-person personal training as a lot of the listeners here may be able to relate to, uh, being entrepreneurs in the in-person training space. However, I realized my income was capped. And there was one time where I was traveling for a period of two weeks, right around the beginning of my business. And I really loved it because I hadn't traveled in so long, having worked as a manager, fitness manager for so long. And as I was traveling, I realized I would love to be able to do this remotely. And that was when I first became open to the idea of online training. Because in the beginning, you know, I would see ads for online training, uh, and I would say, you know what, this is stupid. Like, you know, ultimately, 
you got to train people in person, make sure that they do the work and that they get their form on point. But I started following the ads of uh, one particular mentor, uh, Lynn Trin, and he was talking a lot about actually transforming your clients uh, by moving them emotionally and mentally. And I started applying that with some of my clients, just helping them shift their identity and overcome limiting beliefs. And I've got great results in person. I was kind of blown away by that. So I actually started following the guy. I said, you know what? Maybe this guy isn't just a scam, you know, with this online training business that, you know, he keeps talking about. And I reached out to their team and, uh, I got rejected with the first time I applied to their team. But the second time I applied, I was a lot more serious because I, again, had run into that struggle where it's like, wow, my income is capped as an in-person trainer. And I uh, made the investment, worked with them as a mentor, and uh, built out my business. So um, let me know if I'm coming close on that five minutes, by the way, Alex. But uh, anyways, so I hit a couple roadblocks in the beginning because I was pretty stubborn about choosing a niche because I really pride myself on being able to train anybody. The problem is, if you're trying to move people emotionally and penetrate the marketplace, you got to go deep. And if you're trying to serve everybody, it's not going to work. So I had to completely shift my mindset, which took me a while being a little bit stubborn about it and being a little bit arrogant about it, thinking I'm a very successful in-person trainer, so I'm not going to listen to my mentor. I'm going to keep trying to serve everybody. So I really uh, encountered a lot of struggles, wasted a lot of money in that process of trying to actually find my niche. But eventually I did uh, start finding that I really resonated with young, ambitious men, guys who are driven in some capacity and have a lot of goals, but guys who really struggle to actually get it all done because you know, when they encounter failure, it just really hurts and it discourages them. When they try to balance all the different things they're trying to balance, like having a good social life, good relationships, um, being in great shape, getting after their business and career goals, they really, really struggle a lot. And uh, they become very afraid of failure and become conditioned to this failure and they start to start giving up on their ambitions. And so what I do is I fill that gap and help them really stick it through and not just work on their fitness, but more importantly, work on their mindset and lifestyle to ensure that they do consistently progress towards the goals that they have in their body, in their career, and in their relationships. And so that is how um, I've gotten to where I am today. Awesome story, man. I absolutely love that. I didn't actually know you invested in uh, in Lin Trin. Is that the is that the one percent program? Is it called yeah. the one percent? Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm, I'm part of the one percent. Cool. So I want to circle back to that in a second, but I want to go back um, a little bit further to something that you said right at the start where you said when you first started doing in-person training, you did pretty good out the gate. And there'll be a lot of people listening to this and a lot of people that I coach um, who are in those offline businesses. Like what were some of the key things that you did to like hit the ground running when you started your, your in-person business? Yeah. So when I started my in-person business, it was actually a kind of funny story because um, the boss I was working for at the time, right before I started my business, uh, he and I were really close at one point, but we started to have some conflicts just ego wise. We both had big egos and, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm the shit I'm selling like, you know, 18 to 20 K in training every single month. And, you know, I'm only making about five or six K a month and I'm getting a little pissed off. And here I am like managing your whole team and you're not, you're paying me pennies and you're being very scarce about actually giving me raises. So we started to develop a lot of conflict. And so he kind of fired me out of the blue and badmouth me to some of my clients. And I was able to keep half my clients, which allowed me to start off with a little bit of a base, which was pretty cool in the beginning. Um, but I struggled a lot with marketing and I invested a lot of money in just, you know, shitty marketers and whatnot. Uh, no, I, I won't, I want to say they're shitty because they delivered. It's just, you know, ultimately I didn't get results. Like they delivered the service, but I didn't get results. So I guess in that sense they're shitty, but, um, 
so yeah, I wasted a lot of money when I started my first uh, in-person business, but what I found worked incredibly well was word of mouth referrals and joining something. Uh, you could call it purpose-based marketing as I recently uh, encountered a business coach who refer she referred to it as purpose-based marketing, which I kind of un accidentally discovered when I was doing my in-person, which was, uh, so I've been doing martial arts for 10 years as well. And at my martial arts dojo, there were a lot of older members uh, martial artists who had a lot of injuries, and I'm a corrective exercise specialist. So one uh, martial arts friend of mine in particular, I've been working with, for, with him for a while, helped to fix a lot of his aches and pains. Like when we first started training three years ago, he couldn't even lift his hand over his head. Now he's able to do overhead press with heavy weight, no problem. And, uh, you know, just he he was a just walking testimonial for me. And then obviously they got to know me in a non-sales context, which kind of lowered their barriers down to where like when I actually, when they actually asked me what I did, I was able to just tell them exactly what I do. Hey, I'm a corrective exercise specialist, which was my niche at the time. And I help, you know, guys fix their mobility and get strong and lean and got a lot of clients that way. So really it was a lot of the word of mouth. And then as I started to build up those testimonials, my online presence improved. And I would get a couple online leads from just a website that was essentially evergreen where I, uh, I opted out of the service that I was paying before to have my website design and just kept the same website I had. SEO kicked in and testimonials kicked in and I actually started getting a couple leads. But really the biggest thing if you're an in-person trainer is retention. I mean, if you can get a 90% or more resign rate by just constantly delivering value to your clients, this applies with, you know, online as well. If you if you really get a retention, then you can just keep building. Now the one thing again with in-person is it's capped by how many hours you have. Um, so, you know, if you can retain 30 to 40 hours worth of clients per week, and you just slowly start upping your prices and screening out a couple people, getting a couple more clients till you're like, you know, charging whatever you feel ethical charging, which for me, you know, once I go above 100 to 120 bucks an hour, I don't really feel good about charging that much per se. But if you can retain X amount of clients for X amount of sessions per week and you basically choose your income, you can do really, really well. Yeah, it makes total sense. In terms of your approach then to the pricing things up, because in person, you can do one of two things. You can stick to um, the traditional model of selling it by the hour, like packs, monthlies, whatever. Or you can flip to like a transformational-based model where you're selling outcomes, which I imagine at your level right now, um, you're selling outcomes, you're selling results versus selling time. Right. It's true, actually. Um, that's actually something I want to mention, too. Um, so I worked with another mentor, Taylor Welch and Chris Evans, who taught me, again, that same idea of selling the outcome and not the session. So actually, I recently signed up a client on hybrid method where he's doing partially online while he's traveling, partially in person while he's here, just for the remaining in-person clients I still have um, on that exact same model where if you actually look at the hourly that he's paying, it's probably about 300 bucks an hour. So you're right. That is a complete flip of the script. And I'd imagine that's what you do with your clients, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're both in the same mastermind as well. I'm I'm in the um, client kit with you. And uh, I think we connected before then. Anyway, I think we were connected and I've seen you in there. Um, but they're big on that model. And it's the model that I was using anyway in my own business. Mm -hmm. But what I'm doing a lot with my clients right now is transitioning the higher level clients that I've got from um, selling by the hour, selling time to selling outcomes, because it's exactly what I do. And that's where the leverage is. And arguably, you get better results for your clients when they have more skin in the game and they're buying an outcome versus just turning up to a session. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. It's a totally different uh, pre-frame to the coaching itself. And in terms of like the mindset, because this is the tricky part, isn't it? Um, with this approach is 
you personally have to have a mindset shift in the ability to present it and sell it with conviction because you're actually asking for more, but sometimes giving less, but then it's delivered with value and results in exchange for time. So maybe explain that process for you because you must have gone through a shift transferring from offline, selling that hourly rate-based model to then selling like results. What was that like for you? Right. So yeah, I dealt with that a lot because I mean, money mindset is definitely something I have a tendency to experience issues or blockages with. Um, as you definitely heard that manifest when I mentioned the thing about, you know, ethical charger per hour. I mean, that's, again, that's a sign of a money mindset blockage that I'm aware of in myself. And I kind of caught myself with there. And so um, I went for like a long walk one day and I asked myself, like, what is it actually ethical to charge somebody? And, you know, it's, a, it's always a big question of ethics. I mean, because we as personal trainers, we want to do right by our clients. And there's a couple different shifts that you got to make, which are one, the ethical thing for your clients is that you give them what they need. You tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. And you deliver them the results that they need and get them to do the work, even if they don't want to do the work by moving them emotionally to do so. And so part of that is indeed the buy-in. Um, and actually, the first time I had this revelation was back in, I believe, November or December, I signed up a client. Now, this guy, I didn't realize how much money he made until I got to know him, but this guy makes probably about 600K a year. And he, I, I signed him up for 30 sessions at 90 bucks a session again, back when I was doing the you know, hourly model. And you know, there was a period where he was kind of like not really doing the work with diet. And so I said, hey, you, know, you just spent 3,000 bucks on this training package. You, know, um, you got to be committed to this. And he said something like, dude, if you knew how much money I made, you'd realize that $3,000 is pocket change. And that was a huge mindset shift for me because I was like, holy crap, like if someone makes that much money, you got to charge them a lot. So it actually has completely changed the way that I price people, which is, you know, I'm going to charge people a lot more if they make more because they need that in order to actually have that leverage and buy into what they're investing in. So essentially the way I've priced it is um, for one-to-one -one models, if someone's like super broke, um, but they still really want the one-to-one it's got to be at least 3200 Like I can't sell my time and my one-on-one -on -one for $3,200. Um, if someone makes more money, you know, I charge them as much as 4800 And again, it's for 90 days. Um, now, I haven't necessarily had anybody come in and ask for training who makes a million dollars a year. And again, you kind of have to infer how much they make. But if someone made a million bucks a year, you would have to charge them twenty k to actually get them to commit to doing the work for 90 days. Now, on the flip side of that, I know that not everybody can afford that. I still want to be able to help people out. So I do have an automated version of my online program which really doesn't require much of my time that I sell for $750 for 90 days. That way, people can still come in. They can be on the group coaching calls. They can still get the automated systems, the program, everything else without it breaking the bank so much. But the ethical shift is you got to charge people enough money that it hurts a little bit for them to pay for it so that they're committed, but that it doesn't break the bank and make it so they can't afford you know, to pay for food and shelter and whatnot, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And um, what you're saying is, is about finding that sweet spot between like hurting the pocket, but not bankrupting people, mm -hmm. but then being ethical and also looking at the person that you're selling to and, and basically adjusting accordingly. How important is it to have those variations in pricing and options? Does sometimes it cloud your judgment in terms of the way that you're going to pitch at the end? Or do you, do you know, like, have you got questions that you go through to identify these key things so you know what to put on the table how does that process look yeah so i go by feel i mean when i talk to somebody i get an idea of what they do where they're at 
And like if somebody right out the gate says they're having financial problems and they're broke and they're struggling to find a job, I'll ask them about it. And at the end of the call, I'll straight up ask them like, what's your cash flow look like? Because I want to make sure that I work out an option that is affordable for you. Um, and I'll tell them, you know, that I have options to pay for it up front or pay for it on a payment plan. Um, you know, if they're having financial issues, if they're not, if they don't have financial issues and they're living in abundance and they literally just need my help to fix their fitness and their mindset and their social life or relationships, but like they're doing really well financially, then I just pitch them at a high ticket, like no problem. Now that is actually an interesting question. I'm not really sure how it's screened to see if someone is a millionaire or if they make a million a year. Um, but if I did find that out and, you know, ask the right questions, I would definitely charge them 20 K cause I need that commitment. Hmm. Hmm. It's really just a like puzzle, really, is it? And a and a process of like finding the right the right pieces that fit the situation, um, mm-hmm. and I can imagine there's a lot of mindset from your side that plays a role in this process. And I know you're huge on mindset, seeing your lives, and it's a big part of the work you do. But how does mindset play a role in the process that you go through to build your business? Yeah, so mindset is so important because. In order to build a business, just like getting your clients in shape, you have to be consistent. So if your clients are not tracking their macros and they're not eating the required you know, meals slash macros, they're not hitting their workouts, they're not tracking their strength numbers, how much they burn from cardio, whatever else is part of your methodology, um, they're not going to get the results because there's simply too many variables. And in addition to that, they're not going to be 100% consistent and you won't be able to identify any lapses in consistency. So likewise, it's one of the hardest things to, to carry over that skill set from fitness to business. Well, it can be hard and it can be easy, if that makes sense. Like, it, again, that, that comes down to mindset too. But what I mean is that for a lot of fitness professionals, it can be hard to do so because a lot of fitness professionals are just used to, you know, living the personal trainer lifestyle. Like, for instance, for me, the personal trainer lifestyle was, hey, you know, clock in for my sessions, make money, charge people, train people all day, go home, smoke weed, go to bed. That was kind of my personal trainer lifestyle. But as an online business owner, you got to be completely, uh, it's completely different. Like I had to completely cut down on smoking weed and uh, really just get serious about um, making things happen and being organized, planning out your whole week, planning out your whole day and executing those tasks on time blocks efficiently to make sure that you're not going to get behind. There's a really great book and I highly recommend anyone reads books, both clients and any coach listening to this. Uh, This book's called Relentless by Tim Glover. And uh, in this book, he mentioned that every day you have to do something you don't want to do or you don't feel like doing. And if you don't do it today, tomorrow, you have two things that you have to do that you don't want to do. And before you know it, it all piles up and you're just overwhelmed. You don't get any of it done. So it's so important to stay on top of getting those disciplines done so that you don't end up behind. Mm. Love that. Absolutely love it. Do you have any like rituals in terms of like the way you start your day, the way you get ready for sales calls, the way you speak to yourself and like feed your mind do you have any processes that you go through that are like minimum standards or daily daily activities to just keep you at the the best yeah um, physical and mental state yeah absolutely there's a lot of different strategies i use uh, so the most important thing is it doesn't matter which strategy you use as long as you use a working strategy that works for you that you enjoy doing that you can do consistently because just like with your clients and getting them to get results you got to be able to enjoy the process. And so, uh, because that's the only way you're going to stick to it long-term. So one morning ritual that I have recently started doing that I really love is a daily vision statement, which is that I write to myself from the perspective of the end of the day. And I say, 
I feel very accomplished today at 8.30 p.m. today because today I completed a great workout. I made X amount of sales. I you know, accomplished X, Y, and Z for every different priority in my life and everything that I have planned for that day. And I really write that vision statement to future pace those emotions that I'm going to experience at the end of the day for getting it all done so that I can live by those emotions every day instead of feeling overwhelmed like, holy shit, I got so much shit to do. And, you know, uh, I'm, I failed before in the past and, you know, old stories come up, you know, it helps you get past those old stories and really visualize yourself as that person that you have to be at the end of the week. And uh, at, at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the year, I mean, you got to do this future pace vision statement for really everything. But on a daily level, it's such a powerful way to wake up um, because when you wake up and you really future pace those emotions, by the time you're done writing that, you spring out of bed because you're like, holy crap, I can't wait to get started so I can feel that way at the end of the day. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's very powerful. Another one I really like is clarity walks. If I'm feeling overwhelmed or out of energy, I'll commit to a five to 10 minute walk and just really get into that flow state, ask myself what I want, what I need to do to achieve it and just get that clarity again. It's interesting you say that because um, those are two things that I actually do. Oh, nice. To a, de- to a degree, um, the walking thing, that's how I start my day. So I will walk and I'll basically just like let the let the thoughts flow. Mm-hmm. Let them come to me, address them, um, think about ideas and stuff for the day. Do you know what I mean? Just let it flow with the motion of walking. Right. And then when I get back, I use a similar principle to what um Taylor and Chris teach, but I think I originally got it from Sam Ovens. It's called the alchemy of self, and you'll have seen it in client kit. It's um, it's basically the morning formula, and it's very similar to what you're talking about, which is future pacing and almost imagining imagining yourself in the future, mm-hmm. and basically feeding your mind with those thoughts and those feelings and those visions of where you want to be, not where you are right now. Right. Uh, do you do that as well in terms of like um, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, ten years from now? Or is it very much in day tight compartments? I think it's worth doing for really every period of time you can think of. Like for instance, um, this weekend I did it. I did a vision statement for my 50th birthday, which is in 25 years <laughs> of everything I'm going to be experiencing that day, business-wise, relationship-wise, fitness-wise. Um, it's simply a way of just really gearing myself up this second quarter century of my life to make all these things happen on again you look at you look at that quarter century level you look at that century level and you break it down to you know 10 year blocks five year blocks three year blocks two year blocks one year blocks six months blocks three month blocks weekly blocks monthly blocks daily blocks right i mean the more you can do it the better obviously like don't spend your entire day like making vision statements however like whenever you find yourself off track it's always great to create a new vision statement or look at your old vision statements and then innovate a new one off that and continuously evolve your perspective and get perspective, which is going to help you transcend whatever shit you're experiencing in the current moment, whether it's overwhelm, burnout, negative limiting beliefs, negative habits, negative people. And it just helps you to transcend that. And truly, I mean, that, that is really the value of future pacing, you know? Mm, totally. I want to circle back to um, just to the sales process again, because this is like a big part of what we do. And a lot of people tune in for, for these types of things. And the reason I want to circle back to the sales process is because I imagine that what you do today is not what you did a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. So if you were to start from scratch again in the process of building your business and you looked at the sales process, what would you do differently today that you weren't doing three years ago? Hmm. Interesting. So, so basically when I first started working at a gym, 
Yeah. So when you first approached sales and what you thought about sales and how you went about your sales process and onboarded clients or sold people your programs, imagine that was a different ballgame back then because you hadn't had a lot of experience in that process. Now having invested right. in mentors, you have different mindset, you have different confidence. How is it different that you approach it now? Yeah, well, I'd say the the biggest things I did wrong back then were one, when I first became a trainer, I didn't believe I was worth 80 bucks an hour because literally like I had never even thought about personal training. I figured I was just going to get a job making 15, 20 bucks an hour and just live the chill lifestyle of a personal trainer smoking weed all day. But that was not the case at all. And uh, my first mentor at that first gym I worked at was very driven and he you know, taught me a lot and really got me started with sales and everything. I actually had a pretty healthy mindset going into it as far as persistence goes. Um, and as far as sticking with the grind and staying positive and future pasting. Uh, but as far as actually onboarding clients, I was like definitely living in a scarcity mindset where it's like, Hey, please like me. So you don't leave me or you don't become unhappy with me. But, um, the mindset that I would change then is you got to tell people what they need to hear because that's going to make you a better coach. And even if you think it's going to lose you sales, it's going to only lose you sales on people who would be shitty clients anyways and drain you. But the people who like need that which is pretty much everybody and the people who truly value that, the people who are truly ready to transform, those people are going to really value that. And that's going to allow you to sell your services a much higher ticket because when you become a real coach, instead of just your gym buddy uh, or like, you know, your client's gym buddy, um, you're able to really get people better results and you're so much more valuable because so many trainers are not like that. I mean, you look at any like winning coach for like, you know, let's, let's think like, you know, NBA finals or like NFL finals, right? Like any, um, or, you know, uh, I guess you're over in England. So soccer championships, right? Like all the best coaches in the world truly coach their clients or their their people, their teams, and they tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. So that would be a big part too. As far as onboarding goes, I would definitely be uh, a lot more about the mindset and nutrition because, again, my mindset when I first became a trainer was, hey, I'm your gym buddy who's going to make this fun for you. Go to the gym so that you like me and you sign up for more sessions, but not really so much transformation-oriented. And uh, as far as sales go, Always be closing, but remember as a coach, your job and your role is to close people on the actions necessary and support people on the decisions necessary to get them what they want in their life. So if somebody wants to be in good shape and they're currently experiencing limiting beliefs that they don't like working out, they don't like eating right, they don't like being uncomfortable, it's your job to close that person on the mindset changes and everything else and to consistently be closing that person on what is best for them by... You know, I mean, it, it gets a little complicated, but ultimately that's, those are the skills you develop as a coach. As you go along, you recognize patterns, you get to know your niche or your people better. You get to know people in general better and you start to become a lot more intuitive with that, where you can identify people's limiting beliefs and stories and truly coach them through that and give them the clarity on what they truly want, get them, you know, create that vision statement for them. Um, so I think those are some of the big changes I would make both in sales in coaching and in onboarding new clients, uh, back then, if I could have known this. Really good advice, man. I really like that. Um, I'm conscious that we're coming up on your time and you need to jump on another call. Um, so we can wrap things up. One, I want to say thank you so much for coming on and doing this show. Like there's been some really good insights there. Um, I just want to finish on two things. Number one, um, what you think makes a good coach. And then number two, to wrap things up, um, how can people connect with you and find out more about what you do um, in the coaching space. So those two things. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so first question, what makes a good coach? A good coach cares about his people, his or her people, 
a good coach cares about their people and is able to close their people, their clients on making that next step necessary to get what they want at all times and, uh, and truly delivers that with a genuine great attitude and genuine desire for their client's well-being and their client getting what they want. And I think that's the greatest aspect of a coach is to have that power of persuasion and influence on the people who work with them. And uh, to get in contact with me, you follow me on Facebook, Munir Lazuni, so that's M-O-U-N-I-R space L-A-Z-Z-O-U-N-I. And uh, you can either add me on Facebook, follow me on Facebook, or you can follow my page, which is my name dash awakened athlete. And uh, that's the best way to contact me. So I look forward to addressing any questions or helping anybody out who I needs to uh, who needs to reach out. So thank you, Alex. Thank you so much, Mania. I really appreciate you uh, coming on, and uh, I'll let you get on your call, and I'll see you inside the mastermind, my friend. Awesome. Sounds good, man. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episodes. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did enjoy the show, I would be really grateful if you could leave a short review or post a comment on what you'd like to hear in future episodes. And if you're a face-to-face personal trainer with room to take on additional clients, head over to coachingignited.com where you can apply for our 30-day client accelerator program and find out more about our business, sales, and marketing training platform. See you on the next episode.